listening to Nightlight. And welcome to another edition of Nightlight. Well, over the years, the Lord has blessed us with an amazing variety of guests on the program. Some years ago, you may remember Paul Baker sharing some of the outstanding healing miracles that he's witnessed as part of his healing ministry here in Uganda. Well, I got a call from Paul recently asking if I'd like to interview on Nightlight the man who led him to the Lord. His name is Roland Weisser. He's from Germany, and he's with us here in the Nightlight Studio. Nightlight's Interview of the Week. Well, welcome to Nightlight, Roland. First of all, tell us something about your personal testimony. Yeah, great. Uh, as you already know, my name is Roland. I'm a native German. I'm uh, a father of four children, and uh, I'm privileged to travel the earth with the gospel and with some special messages from the Lord. And I do that since many, many years, having been a pastor and a Bible school teacher and a traveling minister. And at this time, I am based in Germany in the leadership of a local church. And I go out from there at times to, uh, to look for discipleship schools and seminaries who are interested in, in uh, you know, sharing with each other about the experience we have and helping each other to see a good new generation of believers and leaders for the future. Roland, when I think of Germany and Europe in general, I think about the prophecy that will come a great falling away from faith in the last days. It's so very rare to meet a professing born-again Christian from those countries. Or maybe that's just my personal experience and not necessarily the case. Well, that's absolutely right. Most people uh, overestimate the number of Bible-believing Christians or what's called born-again Christians, evangelicals, as in Europe by far because of the financial power and because of the resources the traditional churches have and and Christianity in the West has obviously more resources. But if you look at numbers, Germany has only one up to three percent of real Christians and uh, the situation in some countries of Europe is even worse. Um, maybe the best countries with the largest percentage of Christians at this time would be something like Sweden or the North in general, then Britain and Romania. Roland, when young people in Germany and Europe see what's happening in the world today, does it not create in them a hunger for answers and spiritual truth? Yes, there is a definite change because there's a generation that has come up that does not know God. Uh, Most people at the age of my parents would have known at least the fear of the Lord to some measure and would have been, uh, you know, devout nominal Christians. You know, we have the Protestants and the Catholics very strong in the country. And uh, as I said, very few evangelical churches of any kind and a small, more charismatic and Pentecostal movement. Right. But obviously with time changing, um, the spirit filled movements are growing not very fast, especially not under the ethnic of Germans. You know, a lot of people who come into the country uh, are also Christians from different countries. Like, yes. you know, like now we have people who convert from, from, the, from the Arabian Spring, people who come as refugees. Right. But in general, most people, they would be open if you share the gospel in a, in a non-church situation. Right. right. I personally believe... It's a little bit like with the pond. If you have a pond which is full of fish, uh, whatever you do, you end up with a fish. (laughs) So people in a revivalist situation like Uganda has known in the 90s, it's it's very easy. You you just open your mouth and somebody gets converted to say it in a bit colorful way here. But then when a pond is totally empty, nobody can see results. But in between... The way you do things makes the big difference. So I personally believe in personal evangelism rather than in crusades. I believe the best way to come to know the Lord is by a friend or by a colleague or by somebody who you have some kind of relationship with. And I believe the first thing you should always learn and have at hand and do is a short testimony of how it happened that Jesus came into your life, like before 
Jesus came and the positive changes after. Well, let's take a break for a testimony in song. And when we come back, we'll hear Roland's testimony of how he came to know Jesus. Walking in a world all alone, full of greed and hate. Michael Fogarty walking in a world all alone until he came to Jesus. And that song is from an album called Someone Sent Us Here. They're witnessing songs beautifully produced by Michael, songs from the Jesus revolution of the late 1960s. And we'll have some more songs from that album later on on the program. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. And our guest is Roland Weisser from Germany. So tell us something of your personal testimony, Roland. Were you brought up in a Christian family? How did you come to know Jesus? 
I had a good childhood. That's one thing I, I see now getting older that is outstanding. I had, what, what, I had a really happy childhood. I have devout Catholic parents. Uh, I have an older brother and a younger sister. My father's been a, an engineer, textile engineer all of his life. So I come from the, from the normal middle class in Germany. So when I was born, the war was already 17 years over. So we had food on the table. And, uh, you know, I grew up even having my own bicycle, you know, which I know is the dream of everybody around here. <laughs> so by the time I became a teenager, things changed because as long as I listened to the voice of my parents, everything went well. But then, as you know, every new generation asked that question, you know, why am in the world am I here? Is this way of my parents really the right way, you know? And... So I had a friend circle and sadly to say in that friend circle we had some bad ideas and I started to take drugs with 13 years of age and, uh, and I began to, to have girlfriends a few years later already and so I began to have a secret life uh, towards my parents at an early teenage stage and making a long story short by the time I was about 18 I had smoked a lot of marijuana and dope uh, cannabis uh, drug and and I had uh, become bad in school because of that because I was after everything except school so although I was decently intelligent my grades in school had become very bad I was keeping up an image to my parents which this is hard for a young soul yeah. because this is your primary relationships in life with your father and mother and and they were distorted and then my best friend ran, ran away with my girlfriend, so to speak. So my heart broke. So at that time, all this situation came to a, one climax, which ended in that uh, I not only became depressive, I really became suicidal. And somehow I wasn't bold enough to uh, um, tell everything and make things right. So I ran away from home, which started my wandering years. So for five years... I just worked a little bit here, a little bit there, lived on the streets and just seeking for the meaning of life. And um, that was the funny thing. In, the, in Germany, the word profession and calling have the same root. So I was kind of say, always saying I'm not looking for my profession, but for my calling. Today, I see that God has put these kind of ideas into my mind, me not even knowing it's him. So then with 23 I had a strong experience that uh, I will share uh, in my next part. Shining bright in the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight. Well, please tell us about that experience, Roland, and what happened during those wandering years. Well, it's been a period of my life where I was, you know, determining to find the purpose of life. And somehow God in his mercy, although I didn't know him, had given me that desire to want to know the truth. I wanted to know. So I, I looked into different religions and, and at the same time I just jobbed and, 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 and hang around. And obviously I was also taking drugs to a certain measure. Um, but uh, what I did then is I moved to Austria, a small mountainous country in Europe, which has strong winters with a lot of snow. And we lived in an alternative community in an in a old farm building, you know, with a, a lot of people like that. And when the relationship I had there came to an end, I began to realize that not everybody else is always the problem, but that also I could have a need to change. Before I blamed society, I blamed poverty, I blamed my, my bad friend, I, I blamed everybody else except me. You know, I never could see anything wrong with what I was doing. That was the, the, the situation had gone on for quite a while and I did not find the final answers. So I became desperate again. I began to feel like, you know, if this is life, who wants it? And at that time, my brother uh, invited me to his marriage and they had become Christians away in Germany and then invited me. And I thought, it gives you an idea how far away I was, <laughs> marrying, what an overcome old concept is that, you know. But I went, obviously, being his brother to that marriage, and 
as soon as I arrived there, it was Jesus, 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 Bible, 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 you know, I thought, what's wrong here, you know. So in the end, I survived, so to speak. And I remember when I was driving back in the train, it's a long way to Austria, I was thinking about it and I was thinking, well, you know, you can see my mind there, how arrogant it was. I had, I have no idea. I mean, Jesus, yes, he's one of the gurus, you know, and he has the white healing magic. And, and, and so, but they have no idea. There's many more good gurus. And I kind of concluded, well, they seem to be at least happy with what they have. It's better they be on this Jesus trip than on the drug trip. Back there in Germany, American missionaries ha had come and they had started a small church. And in our drug circles, one became a very radical Christian and a lot of the people got converted and they started to form a small missionary church. Not only had now I seen them, but they also had seen in Granda what spaced out condition I was. So they began to pray for me. Friday in the prayer meeting, Sunday in the service, Wednesday in the Bible study. I mean, you think if everybody prays for you, you'd be on cloud nine, you know. But the total opposite happened. My whole life dismantled in Austria. And, you know, all the things came down, you know. So at one night, I had withdrawn, you know, I had a strong smoker's cough. I was feeling very unwell. I felt under pressure again. So I had withdrawn in a very small white room maybe the size of this little room here and and it was in an old farmhouse it, it, it's kind of the paradise all the alternative people dream about I but inside i was just churning up i was just totally at unrest and so i began to be more and more frustrated now i had no idea of the war about my soul that was going on in the heavenlies you know that the prayers of my friends were warring, you know, and, and wanting to, to help me to see the truth, you know. So in, the, in that situation, I got a real headache. And what happened is, is that I began to, to feel like I need some relief, you know. And the, the night grew longer and longer. I threw myself from one end to the other in the bed. And, you know, we were so alternative, we didn't even have a painkiller, you know. <laughs> So at some point, I felt I need to scream. I need some relief of this pressure. And I grabbed a pillow and, and to scream in the pillow, not to wake everybody else up in the house. And suddenly, as I started screaming, I hear myself scream, Jesus, into that pillow, you know. So I cried, Jesus. And when I did that, the whole atmosphere in that room changed. It was as if waves of liquid love were entering the room. I mean, I was surprised. You know, I was thinking, ah, what is this? You know, the thing is, I was totally not high. And, and that was the strange thing. I knew drugs. So this is right, right question. I knew drugs. I, I knew the kind of thing you feel or, or think when you are on drugs. So it was totally different. So that was what caught me off guard, that something could be that wonderful so I let it happen. That's maybe the thing I did is I, I didn't close my heart. I opened my heart because I was so desperate for some relief. Yes. And because I opened my heart, this, this, these waves of liquid light, they kept on coming and kind of flood my being. And the first thing I remember I noticed was peace. I was a very unrestful person, not just by personality, but I didn't know that the spirits I called upon, now I couldn't get rid of, you know. So in the end, there came a deep calm and an acceptance with that love that I've never felt before in life. So I let it happen. To be honest, I don't know whether it was 10 minutes or two hours. Time just stopped. It became a, and now I know what it was, an encounter with the living God. So when these waves of love kept coming, you know, the headaches went, this strong smoker's cough, all the things there, it, it, it became warm inside. I, I began to feel relieved. It was as if heavy weights came off my shoulders, you know, and I began to be happy. So for a moment I was thinking, whoa, this is weird. A while ago you were thinking again about, you know, who wants life. Now you're so happy. So, but, but I let it happen. I was just at the end of my ways, you know, I, I didn't care in a sense, you know. So, so as this happened, 
it began to saturate my whole being with this unconditional love for the first time in my life. Now, I know this is what every human being deep down in himself really is looking for. He may not even realize it. He may be looking in drugs as I did or in women or in power or in money or in pleasure or whatever thing, you know, no, uh, trying to find a fulfillment in life. And, and this was the most fulfilling moment I had up to then had ever experienced. So I felt like in the end, like a baby in mama's arm. That's the only way I can describe it. It's hard to tell something like this in words. So I did something very spiritual. I fell asleep. <laughs> so I will continue to talk uh, what happened after this encounter uh, in the next part. You explode into space, my friend, and you find yourself. Alone and afraid Where's the light you've been looking for On the other side of those chains testimony which I haven't shared with anybody for quite a few years come to think of it but it just shows you how powerful your personal testimony is people can argue with you about theology or they don't believe in God or the Bible but they can't deny your own personal testimony because it's something that happened to you like a candle in the night it's nightlight 
So, Roland, back to your testimony. Please tell us what happened next. Wait, so the next morning, you know, I woke up feeling like 10 years younger. So I ran into the kitchen there where all the people were crossing their arms and legs. You know, we were in Eastern, you know, all this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, it was, I still had my clouded mind, you know. I had this experience, but my thinking was still, I'm in this world of the esoterics. So kind of all I knew to say, because I related it to me crying into that pillow. That was the only thing I could kind of make sense of. So I said, Jesus is the answer. So this guy said, oh, no, now he's totally mad and crazy. <laughs> so this is how I became a Christian. Sometimes I think I'm, I'm one who didn't, I'm not saved by, by, by grace through faith. I'm saved by grace through desperation. <laughs> <laughs> so basically no one really witnessed to you. But Jesus revealed himself directly to you through this experience. Do you know why you called out to Jesus when you were at the end of your rope? Uh, that's a very good question. I've thought about that a long time because, it, you know, after a while I realized it was quite unique what I experienced. But as I already shared, I believe a big part was the dedicated prayer of some people who cared about me, who wouldn't, you know, who cared about what's going to happen with my life. So at this point, let me just encourage you. Never give up to pray for the people you love and, 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 and extend prayers to God for the people you know who are in trouble and need Jesus. Yes. That's one thing. The other was, obviously, they witnessed to me when I was at that wedding. Yes. And, and one thing somebody had done is, is given me a tape with Christian music. So somehow that worked also on me. And in Germany, you see, in school, we still have religious classes, at least at the time when I was in school. Nowadays, that's changing. And so I had a New Testament. And for some reason, I began to read in it, and I always read in Romans 7. I began to identify the things I do want to do, I do not do. The things I don't want to, to do, I end up doing. So maybe that added to this coming to this point of desperation where then God could reveal himself as love. The thing is, we too fast forget that the changes in Christianity are really com coming from inside out. You see, so after that experience, I've never been the same again in that sense that suddenly I, I didn't like my drugs anymore. I began to feel bad about what I did to my parents. I mean, for five years, I didn't care what I've done to them. You know, so my conscience was reawakened as well. And then at some point, my parents came by, and since the situation there had been so bad, I decided I go for a few weeks back to Germany just to make some money and go off again. To be honest, I thought now I'm a guru myself, and I'm just going to be in the mountain hut, coming down, blessing the village, and going back with, this, with, with, with some uh, rice, so to speak, with a sack of rice for the next year, like to come down. Um, that's how far off I was in my mind. So when I hit the missionary church, it wasn't easy for me because they had so much different thinking and all that. But when they sang their worship songs and when they prayed, I felt some of that same love that I had felt in this experience. The thing was, I knew these waves. And it was as if my whole life was filled up with this love and I found it very easy to, to experience things, a lot of answers to prayer. And I thought, you know, you're never going to have a problem again in your life. That was, you know, in what I, in my uh, thought. Now, what happened is that obviously at some point I began to have, I give you an example. I prayed for strawberry ice cream one morning and it happened that I met an old friend just when I came down from the prayer in my apartment on the street. And I, I began to share the gospel with him, which I couldn't go to sleep without having shared the gospel with somebody. And so he invited me, guess where, where you could eat some ice. So on Sunday, you know, he sends this young Christian up and gives testimony. God answers your, your, your prayer for strawberry ice cream. It's not exactly what the elders wanted to hear. You, you get me. So, so at some point, obviously, I began to run out of that first grace. You see, all this love was like a big sack of corn or maize or rice, and I was feeding off it. Every time now this need of love was there again, 
I could just go and, and, and pray and feel this love and be filled with this love again. People always wonder where the evil things come from. But I can tell you right here, the number one reason of any evil you could ever perceive in the world is the lack of the love of God in the hearts of men and women. You know, it's, it's, it's the lack of this unconditional, merciful love, you know, which is the root of why we begin to do evil. So, so I, I didn't have a problem at the time feeling accepted, being filled with that love, you know. So I was a happy young camper. But, you know, I began to empty that sack. So after a few months, I hit the bottom of the sack. When I share this in, in agricultural countries, the farmers are always laughing because they know what's coming, you know. The thing is, you know, there is no more rice. There was no more you know, love I could cook up and feed on. So I began to suddenly have old problems come back into my life. You know, I began to, you know, no more have always a grin on my face. And, the, and what didn't really help is that one of the elders came and said, don't worry, that was the honeymoon. It's all over now, you know. And to me it sounded, oh, you're going to be as miserable as we are for the rest of your life. This is the Christian life. You said, no. You see, I never became a Christian because of the high values, because it's the truth. I became a Christian because God's love touched me deep inside and renewed me. I was born again, you know, by the Spirit of God. And, and, and this deep need of love was filled. What I yet had to learn was the fulfillment that is and when you hand over that love to somebody else. So I made a big mistake at the time. I thought, now I'm a young man, you know, I will scratch. That's why I call it scratching. I became religious, you know. I thought I could get back that love by much prayer, giving tithes and offering, obeying everything that the pastor says, reading my Bible until I need glasses. And so I became like, I became a very zealous religious young man, you know, because I hoped that this would give me this fulfillment again. I didn't understand that it was grace and that I needed to do something else to have a fullness of that love more and more coming. So that's what I'm going to be sharing, how we can really begin to see the importance of love and how to grow it. Visit our website at radioact.org. Yes, lots of nightlight shows for you to listen to there, including interviews with all kinds of people who the Lord has brought our way over the years. About 124 shows there now, so... Don't miss any of them because they're all uh, unique in their own way and well worth listening to. Nightlight. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. Well, Roland, it's fascinating to hear your life story and how you came to personally know Jesus. So take us further on your journey into knowing Jesus and giving your life to him and entering into a love relationship with the Lord. Now, obviously, having begun to read the Bible, I began to realize that uh, I had just become a normal Christian, so to speak. What was different was that the experience that God is love, I, I had it and this on this very personal level and I felt always that I'm very close to God and I felt accepted as never before you know it began to heal a lot of my inferiority my hurts you know as I forgave I reconciled with my parents and all that but what happened still was that at some point I couldn't keep up that closeness and that flow of love that was there and as I already shared, that it felt like as if the, the, the sack was empty suddenly. Today I know it's stupid, but I, I did what many people do in that situation. You, you begin to scratch. You begin to try to work harder. You know, you think if you just do a little bit more of this and that, what is taught, then that would give you back that. And to be sure, I mean, it's good to read your Bible. It's good to participate in the church. That's all. But it has 
nothing to do with the quality of your love relationship really yeah. that's determined by other factors but which i didn't understand at the time so in that situation where i began to have old things creep in and at the same time became more and more what i would call religious in a more negative sense a preacher came and 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 he stood up in the pulpit and he said i got more love than i know what to do with and i thought oh you big mouth american you know <laughs> but i had the privilege to to spend the whole week with him because i was close to the pastor at the time already because i was open and uh, so i found out this is the happiest chap i've ever met in a long time you know at this time ever so at the end of the week i decided you know i'm going to ask him so i kind of cheapishly went to his side and said you know i know your love you know i had that myself but i lately had a little problem you know <laughs> so i shared my situation and and he simply looked at me and said did you grow it and i said huh? grow it <laughs> he said yeah i mean did you grow that i had this example of the rice did you grow that rice that love I said no I ate it that's what is meant to be I mean I am the hungry one I want to eat it you know give me this love you know so he so he laughed at me and I didn't get offended but I I said what are you saying he says well there's nothing wrong with you eating but you see but if you want to keep on eating you also have to sow it so that you have a constant income of love that's what every farmer does i mean he goes and you take the best and put it aside and the, you strengthen yourself from the rest and you work the field and put out the seed so you have another harvest before the sack is empty yeah. so you keep on having and enjoying love all through your christian life that's yes. what god's original purpose is it was so simple i was a little bit taken off guard mm-hmm. i was thinking oh i didn't know that I, it's not too complicated and he said yes it is not if you do the things right what makes things complicated is when you do things that don't work I said yeah tell me <laughs> i i already felt like i'm a failure again and all that so he encouraged me and he said one thing which is important it doesn't matter how big or small the amount of love is in the beginning what is important is what you do with it so he encouraged me to pray to the lord and seek the lord what he wanted me to do where i would do something for him and thereby sow that love and not only sow the love in what i do but at the same time because i'm obeying god sowing it into god so let, let me repeat that because that's a very important part when you love somebody and you do it out of a pure motive you're not only loving that person but if it is a tailor-made command from god if it's the will of god then you by definition also so love into god you know, in john 14:15 it says as if you love me keep my commandments so with god loving is connected with doing what he tells us to do this love is the answer much more to all the problems than we think it is you know even in evangelization sometimes with evangelization is like this you know if if you would see a starving child 10 years old only bones and 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 skin and you would go to that child and say oh what's wrong with you you know you know don't you have a daddy and mama and he would say oh i have a wonderful daddy He's a great man. He owns all the grocery shops in Kampala. You want to come to know him. He's such a wonderful man. And seeing that child starving, would you believe that child that his father is such a great man? Now you would think I'd like to bash him, you know. They <laughs> having his child starving. So so we sometimes as Christians, you know, we are not exempt from that lack of love, which I said is is the biggest problem in the world. That's sad to say, but that's a reality I found. So we are there like that child saying oh our father is love he's the wonderful god of the world and people look at us and say well if he's such a great god and if he's not only loving but if he is love so why are you showing your spiritual rips so love makes our life authentic so that people can believe the gospel mm-hmm. 
But love also is important to do a lasting work in God's kingdom. Um, I'm going to share about that in the next part. Take a drive through the town, see the people running round, see them frown, hear the sound. Cities being built, babies born, a country torn awaits the storm. Don't have the time to say hello, wouldn't know how anyway. They're too busy worrying about themselves, and loving doesn't pay. Loving doesn't pay Loving doesn't pay yeah. Walk the streets so alone at night Come fishing for the truth But you can't get a bite Like to take off your head And rest a while Put your feet on the ground and learn how to smile Brother, someone sent us here Talk to people like you Lift up your heart to the holy man You tell you what to do You tell you what to do track of our featured album on this special edition of Nightlight, in which we're hearing the testimony of Roland Weisser, who's visiting from Germany, and he's also teaching us on a theme that is central to our programs, which we touch on regularly from many different angles, and that is religion versus relationship with Jesus. So, Roland, tell us more of how you grew in your love relationship with Jesus. If you've listened this far, you probably begin to see that, uh, you know, that the things we are sharing are reality. And uh, so if you, if you allow me, uh, and then I would love to, 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 to teach you also some things about that to help you, rather than just sharing what a nice life I have, yes. to help you how to, how to develop your own love relationship to, to state of the art, so to speak. And, uh, and and so if, if you would allow me, then I will kind of swap gears, you know, because God is sending me since many years around the world with the message of, of fellowship and communion with the Lord, with clear communication. And I've been doing this in by now uh, about 25 nations. 
So uh, at this time, God once again has sent me to your lovely country, Uganda, to share not just my testimony, but the truth of the word of God and to help that God's desire, that the reason why Jesus died will be fulfilled. You see, the reason why Jesus died primarily was the reconciliation, you know, the original purpose of creation. When God created man, it was to have somebody to relate to. You know, he made man in his image because he wanted to be understood by man. So, so with the, 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 the fall into sin, all that got lost. And, and after the law had proven that man couldn't build the bridge from his side, so then God intervened and took his only begotten son and built the bridge back through Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you. God loves you. God is after you with all his heart. If it would make sense, Jesus would die again for you. But he already died. Listen to my heart. If you were the only person on earth, Jesus would still come to die for you. So receive him today, you know, open your heart to him. He has the love of God in abundance for your life. He will restore your life as you ask for forgiveness, as you cry out to him. You see in Romans 10, 13, it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what I did in that night. I had no good idea of Christianity. All I knew is I need something that there must be a reason why I live. And God is the answer to that call and that cry. So, so if you've never been a Christian before, hear my heart. God has the best for you. He's not after bossing you. He's after loving you until you, you say, stop it. I can no more take it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I feel all right when I'm listening to Nightlight. You're tuned in to Nightlight. Okay, so as I said, once we're saved, we still have to live the Christian life in a way that is pleasing to God first, but also is a good testimony to the world. And having the enough capacity to love is the master key that we need to have in our life. You know, you can have many teachings and many things which are key that unlocks blessings. But the, uh, to develop the ability to love under all circumstances is the master key in the Christian life. Don't get distracted. Love is the highest form of spirituality. If you look into 1 Corinthians 12, it, you know, that is a chapter most Pentecostals and Charismatics, spirit-filled places, they love that chapter because it speaks of the power of the early church, of the gifts and of the offices. And, and it's exciting to see all these things. But then in the last verse of the 12th chapter, Paul says something very interesting. He says, desire the greater gifts, but yet I will show you a more excellent way. And that excellent way you know, is then the 13th chapter, which is the, the, the chapter of love in 1 Corinthians. So in that chapter, Paul says some interesting things. He says, if I could move mountains, if I gave everything I have, but have not love, he gives two results. One would be, I, it would profit me nothing, and I, even worse, be a nobody. Now, we all know if we could do these things, we would be famous and rich and, and have all the things. So in the world, they would benefit us. So why is Paul saying they will not benefit us? It's because in the eyes of God, we would be a nobody and it would profit us nothing with God. God looks after your motive. Why are you doing what you're doing? You see... God says, if it's not done in love, it's worth nothing in his eyes. So to do something that is having a lasting value in God's eyes, you need to be doing it motivated out of love. Mm -hmm. But now also with the commandments of God. Remember in Matthew 22, 34 up to 40, Jesus speaks with a lawyer who asks him which is the greatest commandment to trick him. And Jesus straightforward answers and he says thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and soul and mind that is the first and foremost commandment and the second is likened unto this is you shall love your neighbor as your very own self 
And then in the 40s first, he says something very interesting. He says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Mm -hmm. So what is Jesus saying? Now, all the law and the prophets, that was the Old Testament, the Bible of the time. So that was what the, the people of God has at the, the commandments of God. So what Jesus is saying that all the commandments of God are summed up in those two commandments. I mean, maybe you have memorized all the commandments in the whole Bible. Well, I have not, but I have memorized those two. And praise the Lord, we don't need to memorize all the other ones. Because he says, if we obey those, everything else will be okay and fallen in place. Because if you love somebody, you're not going to kill them or cheat on their wife or do any of the things that the Ten Commandments forbids. Exactly. Now, but it also means that to do the will of God, to obey Him, any commandment of the Bible, there is a certain amount of love you have to release with it, right? Yes. So, so is that what I'm speaking about? You know, it, you know, how we can have that love and release it with when we obey God. And at that point, it becomes fun. Because once you realize that the answer is that you can sow and reap love, according to Galatians 6, where it says everything multiplies by its own kind, then you, you, you actually are put in a position where, where God encourages you and says, now I will show you what to do and you just take your little love and sow it. And when you sow it, you will have two results. You know, one is it will affect something where you do it. And the other one is you store up more love for yourself because you will always uh, uh, harvest more than you've sown. So it comes down to quality and quantity. Let's make it more practical. In Luke 6, 46 to 49, is the parable uh, of the man who built a house. It's the end of the Sermon of the Mount. And in the version of Luke, it's an interesting wording which I want to read to you. Beginning in 46, Jesus is complaining and saying, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? But then in 47, he gives the answer. He says, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts upon them, I will show you whom he is like. And then comes the, the he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when a flood rose, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Mm. And then was the other one who did not do the will of God. That one had a deep, great collapse. So what I'm saying is to be able to raise the quality of your love sowing, you need to look at your motive mm -hmm. and on your obedience. But you cannot obey unless you heard a tailor-made commandment. You cannot hear a tailor-made commandment unless you've come into the presence of God. So I believe that order here, coming to Him, that's what He says, is the area of connecting with Him, of living, coming and living in the presence of God. That area of hear my words is, is not just read your Bible. That's not what he's saying. It says, re, hears my words, which we often hear when we read the Bible because he illuminates the Bible to us. But it's communication, if you look more clear on it. So it's understanding in a growing process the will of God for our lives. And then the third one, where the emphasis of the parable is on, obviously is to be a doer of the revelation of God's will we have in our lives. Now, at that point, when we obey, we release the love we have in us with that. Now, the good news is God will never give you a commandment that you don't have enough love to obey it. He may challenge you, I get to that later, but he will never give you one. Why the devil will try to talk you into trying to fulfill a, 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 a law or a commandment of the Bible where you're not mature enough for in terms of your love capacity. And then when you fail, he will say, yeah, you say you love God, now look at you. you know. So people are familiar with this kind of thing. But the, the right thing is you sow your love by obeying that tailor-made commandment. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you're actually loving God and He will always pay you back, in my language, you know. He will give you a harvest of love 
according to how difficult it was and the amount it was and how pure your love was. Mm -hmm. So when you begin to discover this process, your love capacity will tremendously grow. You will just seek the Lord. He will reveal to you things he has for your life to do. And as you do them in love, you store up yourself an inheritance forever. And he will always then release more love back to you so you can obey a bigger commandment. Yes. So you're not only giving love to other people, but you're also kind of over this principle, increasing your love capacity and your sack is filling up again so you can feast every day in the presence and love of God. Inspiring you to draw closer to God. You're listening to Nightlight. Having said all this, now we are right in a developing love relationship with God. Jesus was straightforward when he gave this parable and when he gave the conditions. You see, many Christians claim promises and we even have books that select the promises out of the Bible. And many Christians even are taught techniques to proclaim promises. But the real way to make a promise work in your life is simply look for the conditions that God has given for this promise and fulfill that condition. I guarantee you, you cannot stop God from giving you the promise and the blessing. As it is written in Deuteronomy 28, you know, it says, if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God to do whatever he commands you this day, then he will send all these blessings as a number of blessings on you. Be blessed in town, out of town, in the house. Whatever you do turns to gold in my words. <laughs> so God is promising that if we focus on the relationship with him, he will make all other things work out, which that is the, 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 the summing up of the word, he said, you know, look for the righteousness of the kingdom and all other things shall be added unto you. So the focus God wants us to have is not on the blessing, but on the blesser. It's not on the, on the gifts, but on the giver. It's not just on, on love, it's on the one who is love. I am hopefully touching a string in your life that you are desiring. God loves you and wants that relationship to be developed so you become who he destined you to be in life. I've got a lot of problems, I must confess. Somebody help me out of this mess. I'm feeling kind of lonely in this big world. My friends' true colors show when their flags are unfurled. Nobody loves me. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Jesus does. Can't believe it. Try it. Well, I haven't seen it. It's all by faith. What's that supposed to be? Jesus really loves you and he wants you to know. Yeah, sure. He will go with you wherever you go. Yeah, right. First, you gotta open that door to your heart. What, what door are you talking about? Find out who really loves my soul What am I here for, to do or to be? It seems like all is vanity Nobody loves me, that's yes, for sure Yes, they do No, they don't Jesus does I can't believe that Try it I haven't seen it Well, you can Jesus really loves you and he wants you to know mm, I don't know, man He'll go with you wherever you go I mean, that'll be nice, I guess A phony always Just let Jesus Christ come in today He can be through you what you could never be He's the purpose, he's the life, he's reality Because he loves you, yeah, I, I, yes he does No, no, I believe you, I get it, I get it 
That's all we have time for. Thanks to Roland Weiser for all that he shared. Thanks to you for listening. And I'll look forward to being back with you again soon for another edition of Nightlight. God bless you. Bye-bye.